Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Isaiah chapter 43. And um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, we always encourage people, download this beautiful, awesome app called the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. And it's an amazing tool, puts the Bible at your fingertips, uh, shows you and teaches you, you know, where to start if you've never read the Bible before. But I want to read this to you because we've been, for the last few weeks, today is actually part three of this series we've been doing called The New Tradition. And uh, how many of you know that tradition, traditions are fun? And uh, there are some traditions that may be more fun than others, yeah? I don't know if last week I kind of went through and asked some questions about like real tree versus fake tree and... And, and if you are a real tree, do you go get it in the woods or do you go to like Mount Lowe's or Mount Home Depot to get your, to get your you know, beautiful tree? Uh, you know, uh, fruitcake, which in my house, I'm just like, it's, it's going straight into the trash. And all the love that went into making it, it's okay, still love you. Uh, so traditions, are, they're fun. Uh, I, I love today because we're, we're making new traditions at Convo Church. Convo Church is a new tradition, by the way, because this time last year, you were not at Convo Church. We did not exist yet. Uh, we, my family had just barely moved here. We had just barely started to get to know people and to try to tell them about this vision that we had of this crazy church. And, and when are we starting it? Well, not until all the way until September. And some people are like, okay, call me in September. We're like, no, no, we want you to help us build this thing. And, and uh, so it wasn't a tradition. But even the fact that today we're like, all right, come to church. Santa's going to be here. We're going to hook our kids up. We're going to fill everybody with sugar and hot chocolate and cider. We're wearing Christmas things. And uh, some more than others. Personal fan of what Elizabeth's rocking over there. Got the whole thing going. I love it. And, uh, and our kids looked absolutely fantastic up here. And this, this is tradition. You know, a 60-second convo. You know, being able to come to a place where we don't want you to just kind of check your church box, sneak in, sit in a seat. When we're done, you leave and nothing ever changes. We want, we want lives to connect. We want community to develop. We want you, we believe that your life is gonna be better when it's connected to our life and our life is gonna be better when we get to be connected to you. And, and so it's so sneaking important. And so that's why we are, we're making this new tradition because we hope that this time next year that we're seeing so many more people because we are adding to the tradition, not of what we're doing, but the, to the tradition of what God is doing. Because here's the thing, this is the scripture I wanna to read to you in Isaiah 43. Uh, verse 18 and 19, it says, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Another way of saying that is don't be so, fact, so, so focused on your past. Don't be so focused on the things that are done that you can't change. It says, behold, I am looking to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is, a, this is a prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ that was prophetically speaking of how the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come into our world and he would begin to do a new thing. Jesus, even though it's something that has been around for now for 2,000 some years after his life on earth and after his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and it's been over 2,000 years, and, and you're like, it doesn't sound like a new tradition, but here's the thing. Every tradition starts somewhere. And so personally, may, I don't know if you agree with this or not, because you know, people can be a little bit funny about traditions, but I think that getting to be a part of starting a new tradition is the best way to do it. Like there, there are traditions that I did growing up as a kid. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea why we did it. 
I had no idea what the heck it was all about, but we did it. Why? Because we did it last year. And that's why we do it this year. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, as a kid growing up, I, I, I was, you know, scarred uh, in the church world because I would always be forced this time of year to wear a tie. And, and, and it has impact on me to this day when it comes to where I was like, why, why am I, why are you making me wear this little teeny tiny suit and strangling me with, with a tie? Can I breathe? It's Christmas. That's what we do. Okay. Now it's a new tradition. No tie. Okay. Anyway. Um, but the thing is, is that Jesus coming into the world started a brand new tradition because before he showed up on the scene, you, you didn't have the opportunity to just open your mouth and speak to God and, 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 and restore or even establish a relationship. You didn't have the opportunity in that moment to have all of your past completely erased, all the things that you ever did, the things that, that you don't want nobody to know about, but God knows to be able to be erased from your past, that stuff didn't exist. Jesus coming into the world created an opportunity for us. When I say us, I mean you, I mean me, I mean every single person on our planet before and to come, the opportunity for salvation, the opportunity to be forgiven, the opportunity to have a hope, the opportunity to have a future, the opportunity to live a life that was filled with purpose and intentionality that you were created for by God specifically. Because there has never been you before. You're a new tradition. And there will never be another you ever again. It's not just your fingerprint, it's, it's your life, it's your personality, it's, it's your purpose. So when we don't connect with God, we end up missing out on a purpose that was created by God for nobody else but us. Which means that the person next to you misses out on, on the potential of what their life could have been connected to yours when we're walking in God's purpose. God's doing a new thing. And I know, I know some people like to be really, really honed in on the old traditions, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because, you know, a new tradition, if it stays long enough, what? It becomes an old tradition. That's okay. And we have fun with those things. But what I want us to walk away with this season, what I want us as a church, and hopefully even speaking prophetically to our whole city, because you all don't realize this, but when I stand up here and I look out here, I, I see you, but I don't just see you. I see our entire region. I see every single man, woman, and child that is living in our region, living in our cities, living in our communities and neighborhoods that is walking around struggling, hurting, lost, hopeless, depressed, addicted, broken, and has no idea that there is an opportunity to see that completely turned around. The cool thing is, is that there are so many of y'all in here who used to maybe be in that category, but things have changed. You're not who you used to be. You're a, you're a new person. You're a new creation. And the reason that you are a new person isn't because you figured everything out on your own. If you think you're a new person because of that, I would, I would venture to, 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 to throw a thought at you that maybe you're only scraping the, the edge because God has so much more for you. We gotta get past looking at God as some, some, uh, some, some deity figure in a far out distant land that, that really isn't interacting with our life, doesn't really care too much about us and is just waiting to crack us over the head if we mess up. That's not who God is. Because my Bible teaches me consistently from the beginning all the way to the end that, that God is a God of love and kindness and mercy. You know, there's actually a scripture in the Bible that, sit with, that says it is the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. You know, you say that word repentance, I know for me, like if somebody says that word and I hear it, my first thought is an image of somebody standing on the street corner with a big sign, right? It says repent, repent, that's not a word, repent, repent. <laughs> 
That's my, that's my Southern coming out of me again. <laughs> Repent, turn or burn. I'm like, come on, man. Why, why? That's, that's really helping somebody, isn't it? That's really, that's really helping somebody experience the love of God when you tell them how much they're going to hell. Listen, that's not what people need to hear. That's why God doesn't operate that way. He doesn't, he doesn't scare people into the kingdom of God. He loves them into the kingdom of God. He loves people into a relationship. He doesn't force people into a relationship. When we look at the story of Christmas and we look at, 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 uh, at Mary, who was, as many theologians agree on, was somewhere anywhere between the age of 12 to 14 years old, where the angel of the Lord appeared to her and says, hey, good news, uh, you found favor with God and you're gonna become pregnant and you're gonna have a baby boy and he's gonna be the Messiah, the savior of the world. And she says, whoa, time out. Number one, do you know how old I am? Number two, I'm a virgin, so there's an issue with this. Number three, what are you talking about? And he gives some angelic explanation that I don't know if she was supposed to feel better about, but he says, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you, it's, it's gonna be just fine. I don't know what that means, but okay. Sure, let's go along with that. Then there was a guy named Joseph. Joseph was a guy who was engaged to marry to be married. Married to be married, yeah, sure. And so he finds out now let's just, can we just like kind of cut the scriptural pretense of we're just reading some, some fictional story and they're just characters and just put ourselves in this moment. All right, men, put yourself in this situation. You're engaged to somebody to be married and she comes to you one day and says, hey, just wanna let you know, give you a little heads up. Yeah, what, what's going on? You love me, right? Oh yeah, I wanna spend the rest of my life with you. Okay, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm sorry, what would you just, what'd you just say? You hurt your what? I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm pregnant. Oh, okay. Where's he at? This is, this is gonna happen right now. Where is he at? Don't, it wasn't a guy. <laughs> what? I mean, can you, can you just put yourself into that moment and realize that we read it, we're like, especially if you read it in, you know, in a, the King James and, oh, and the angel of the Lord hath came upon Mary and she became pregnant with the Messiah and Joseph was totally cool with it and everything was fine and boom, Jesus is born, boom, Jesus is Messiah. Wow, that must have been so cool. No, I don't think so. I think it was terrifying. I think it was one of the scariest things that any human being could have put in any situation. I can think of a million other things that I'm terrified of that I would rather do than maybe be put in that situation. But both of them are recorded as being willing to do what God had asked them to do. And there's something so incredible about being somebody who's willing to say yes to God, no matter how ridiculous of a situation it is that he may put you in. Because for Mary, honestly, if you, if you look at the cultural context of what was going on, she was, she was a Jew living in Israel. They had certain laws that were in existence that were, went all the way back to the Old Testament and, and Moses. And, and so if you, were, if you were found in a situation where, where she was found at, or at least it looks like she was found in, then in their Old Testament law, it's very likely that she could have, at worst, been actually put to death for living in a moral life. Which that didn't happen, but from perception coming on the outside looking in. And so for Joseph to be somebody who was willing to stay with her, he knew that he wasn't just trying to do the right thing, but he knew that he was stepping into something that was bigger than him. He realized that what God was asking him to be a part of was so much bigger than the part that he was playing. I wanna read the scripture to you as well. In the book of Matthew, and this is, there's, there's, uh, there's two gospels that capture the account of the birth of Christ. 
There's Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and then there's Luke chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to read you uh, a couple of verses from Matthew chapter 1, because this is the one that focuses on, uh, on Joseph specifically. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, she, uh, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Other translations would even say uh, to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, Joseph son of David. And uh, which little, little side thought here for the angel to point out the fact that that Joseph was the son of David, which would mean King David, if you look at the history of Israel. He was actually then the descendant in the family line. He would know specifically, being a Jew and being in a culture, being a God-fearing man, he would understand the prophecies of the Old Testament that spoke of the coming Messiah, that the Messiah would also be connected to the lineage of David. And so for the angel to remind him that, hey, the Messiah is coming, got a little bit of a unique assignment for you. I'm gonna need you to be kind of like the earthly dad to the Messiah. Um, but he's not gonna bear your image. As a matter of fact, what's ironic, Joseph, is that you actually bear his image because he's God and you were created in his image. And I know this is, this is hard for you, Joseph. I know this is difficult, but I'm gonna need you to, to, to fill in this role. Remember Joseph, son of David? It's almost like, well, am I not good enough to, to like be in that line? And he's like, no, I'm reminding you that even though this may not be your seed, you're still in that line. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And again, this came from the prophet Isaiah as well, where again, over 700 years before this moment, Isaiah prophesied and said, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want us to embrace this morning and hopefully far beyond this morning because the what we talk about here on a Sunday morning is not just so that you can check a religious box. Okay, I went to church, I got it out of the, I got out of the way, you know, I'm in the year strong, I, got, I went to church. And, and, and they did some songs and the kids did some cute stuff and we sang some Christmas carols and, and ate some things that aren't gonna help us with our, our weight loss goals. And, um, and then I go home and then life just continues as it is. What we do here on Sundays is meant to connect to your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday, and hopefully get you coming back into Sunday fired up and ready to go. Now I know real life happens, so sometimes it's dragging back into Sunday. You're like, I barely made it, I barely made it. Or somebody had to drag you because you're like, I didn't make it, I didn't make it this week, I didn't. That's okay, that's real life, people, come on. But how, how, how could I possibly get up here as a pastor, as someone who loves Jesus and wants to communicate the word of God and allow this season to go by as just some seasonal platitude of like, well, let's just look at the pretty eight pound, six ounce 
little baby Jesus. Look how cute he is. And isn't he cute? Let's just celebrate how cute Jesus is. And, uh, and then we'll see in January. How about that? No, I feel like there's, there's a message to be had because we have to ask ourselves a question. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? You, you got to know that in God's great plan of how he wanted to how he wanted to save the world, redeem the world. See, God doesn't desire religion with you. He desires relationship with you. And you got to understand that if he's God, he could have done this any way that he wanted to. He could have done giant, you know, chariots from the sky, clouds parting, boom, here comes Jesus. He could have done a catwalk from heaven all the way down to earth, and Jesus just, here I come, here it is. Hey, what's up? I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus, everybody. Blonde hair, blue eyes, that's not true. But he didn't do it that way. Jesus came into this world helpless, without strength, without any pomp or circumstance, without any, within it, without any you know, giant celebration. It actually tells us that he, because they, they came back to Bethlehem because there was a census going on, and, and during that time, if there was a census happening, you had to go back to your, your birth town uh, to be, to take part in that census, and so they had to go back to Bethlehem, and by the time they got there, Mary was well with child, and they went to go find a hotel uh, spot, and there was no room, and so that's why they ended up in a, that whole, like, you know, the manger and the nativity situation, that's why they ended up there, because there literally was no room left in Bethlehem for them to, to find lodging, and so not only was he not able to, to be born in the Best Western or the Hilton, but he also was born in a feeding trough. That's what a way for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to enter the world. It's like, well, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a little ways to go to get, you know, to kind of get things going. But he did that on purpose. He did it on purpose because he wanted to be a savior, not just for the, the influential and the elite. He wanted to be a savior for those who find themselves in the lowest place possible. God is not a God of the rich and the elite. He's a God of all people. So that means that he is a God for those that are homeless as well as those that have many homes. What's funny is that no matter what you have in this life, unless you have a relationship with God, you have nothing. And so you can't, you can't replace God with wealth. You can't replace God with possessions. You can't replace God with, with, with as many friends. You can't replace God with a big following on Instagram. You can't replace God with a padded bank account. The only way to replace God is to accept God. And so he wanted to start in the lowest place possible so that he could relate to every single person. Because you gotta know, where he came from, he, he was something. Philippians chapter two says that he left his throne in heaven to come and live a life as a human, to take on the form of a slave so that when the time would come, he could be a Lord and a savior to all people. So it's not like he didn't know any better. Oh, he's just a baby, he just grew up that way and had to work hard. No, he left the palace to take habitants in the manger. So why did, why did he do it this way? Why did Jesus come? There's a, there's a couple of verses that I wanna share with you, and they will not be on the screen, and that's okay because as I was about 15 minutes before the service, I had, I had this other really well-crafted, well-thought-out uh, message prepared, and God said, ooh, I wanna say this. So if you've ever done this before, then, then you understand how fun that is to have everything that you prepared for and no longer be applicable to what you're trying to do. But he gave me these two particular verses because I feel like today um, Christmas can either be a season where you just enjoy it, it's fun, everything about Christmas, you love it, or 
you may also find yourself in a season where you don't want to face the holidays. It's, 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 it's hard for you to watch everybody else have so much fun because there's something hurting inside of you. Uh, maybe this last year you lost a, a loved one or maybe a relationship didn't work out and, and, and the season where normally you would be ready to celebrate and decorate and do all the things, you just want to kind of hide and disappear and you want life to just not acknowledge you and just get through this and go back to regular life. And I realize that if we just continue to do, do church around this season and just ignore the fact that, that people still need the very thing that we're celebrating, they still need hope, um, they, still need, they still need somebody to, to let them know that it's going to be okay. Uh, they still need somebody to, to take that brokenness that's inside of you and not just make you feel better about brokenness, but to actually mend and heal the brokenness inside of you. And, and that's, why we, that's why we need to look at why Jesus came. There's this one verse, um, Luke 2.14. This actually is the, the account of the birth of Christ in, in the book of Luke. But in Luke 2.14, uh, there's, there's this one thing where, this verse where it says, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace is being such a significant word right there because that's also one of the reasons why Jesus came. He came to bring peace on earth. Goodwill towards, towards men is in the traditional, but it's not just men. Ladies, you get to be included in that too. That's good news. Jesus came to bring peace into your life. That doesn't always mean that he comes to fix all the situations that are removing the peace in your life. It just means that he, he came to be a source for you to tap into that supersedes the circumstances that you find yourself in that are removing the peace. The Bible also refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace, giving him authority with peace to be able to distribute it as it is needed. And if you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm in need. I'm in need of peace in my life. Things are going crazy. I don't know, I don't know which way is up, which way is down. I don't know how to, how to fix what's going on. I don't know how to deal with the situation that I'm in. I am not having a peaceful moment in my life. I need help. And I'm gonna pray for you this morning. Not right now, but I'm gonna pray for those in that situation. The second thing that, uh, the second verse, and this is actually, I think, probably one of the most formative, most important verses about Jesus that really tells us why he came. But we don't, if you're just reading through the, through the Gospels, you don't see this until Jesus is already in his ministry. And so if you, if you come across this verse when you're just reading through you know, the Bible and you read this verse, you're like, oh, that's, this is just the full-grown Jesus version right here. But no, you have to tie it. You have to tie this all the way back to how he came into this, this world. Luke 19, 10, I love this verse. It says, for the Son of Man, which is another uh, phrase referring to Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to seek and to save. Not just to save. I, I feel like the author probably could have said, he just came to save the lost. But he didn't just come to save them. He came to seek you out. He, he came to look after those who felt like they are in a place of lostness and to not just show up and shout, hey, Jesus over here. Just, yeah, just come to my voice. I know you're lost. Ever been in one of those giant like corn maze things? That'd be like being dropped in the middle of it blindfolded and someone's on the outside just yelling, hey, come this way. It just doesn't work out well. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to seek you. It means that he came to insert himself in the same junk that you find yourself stuck in so that he could take you by the hand, look you in the eye, say, I did this because I love you. Everything's gonna be okay. Follow me. I love the fact that Jesus didn't say, serve me. 
He says, follow me to people. He goes up, there's this one guy named, uh, named Levi, also known as Matthew. He was, uh, he was a tax collector, which in that, in that culture would have been worse than like being the head of the IRS. You know, it's like they, they were, the, most tax collectors were, were Jews that were working for the Roman government that was occupying Jewish territory. So that, there was already kind of a cultural situation there. But they were also known for being very wealthy people that got their money off of stealing from their own people while they're collecting taxes. So they already don't like him because they're taking his money. It's tax time. Don't like you. He's like, oh, and this, you know, it's, uh, there's been an increase this year. It's going to be another extra 15%. Um, you know, hey, Roman government, what are you going to do? I'm just going to have to collect that. So they would take that, they would put that in their pocket and report the rest back to the government. And, and it wasn't a secret, they knew this, but because they were backed by those guys, they, they just got away with it. So Jesus actually has this moment where he's, he's got some of his disciples and he's looking for some other disciples to recruit and he wants to, he wants to you know, get these, he wants to get 12 guys together and he's gonna teach them how to change the world and he's looking for these people and in their culture, Jesus wouldn't just go and look for, uh, you know, they wouldn't think that he would go and just look for anybody. He was looking for the best of the best. You know, he wanted the most qualified, the smartest, the most intelligent, the best pedigree, the best resume, uh, you know, the best college education. That's, you know, just kind of making it up as I go here. But he went and he goes up to this guy, Levi, and he goes, hey, I want you to, I want you to follow me. And uh, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to do some different stuff. And it says that in that moment, this guy just says, yes. It doesn't say there's, there's not a dialogue like, okay, now, Jesus in this particular situation, you know, what, what's the compensation package that we're talking about here as being one of your disciples? You know, are you going to, I need to know that I'm going to be making good money. And as a matter of fact, his response to Jesus was, hey, can I throw a party in my house and will you come to my house? She's like, yeah, I'll come to your house. They're like, meanwhile, all these other religious folks are kind of watching what's going on. And they're telling Jesus, hey, do you even know what kind of person this is? Because if you did, if you, were, if, you were, you know, if you were truly the son of God, you would know the type of people that you're talking to. You would know that they're not the type of people that are even worth talking to. And you would also know that this party that you're gonna go to, <laughs> you know, if you think he's bad, you should see some of the guys that he rolls with. And, and I feel like we treat our city that way sometimes. I feel like the church world treats our city that way sometimes. Oh, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go over there because if you... If you knew what that part of town was like, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. Or if you knew, you, you don't want to hang out with that group of people because if you knew anything about them, you would know that, that that's trouble. You're probably called to reach a, a cleaner version of people. And uh, that's not what Jesus would do. So why would we, who are supposed to be the carriers of what Jesus started, and if we're still, we're not, I don't, I don't even almost like to be called a Christian. I know what it means and I get it and I believe it, but I would rather be known as a follower of Jesus because I can tell you I'm a Christian and you might have a thousand different thoughts of what you think that means. I don't wanna be known like that. I wanna be known as somebody who is just a regular person, imperfect and broken, who had a Jesus who loved me and, and sought me out and took me by the hand and told me it was gonna be okay and I gave my life to him and I didn't know what to do, so what did I do? I started to follow him. Started to follow him. That's all Jesus is looking for you to do. He doesn't want you to fix everything in your life right now. He doesn't want you to start, you know, well, you know, if you, uh, if you just dress differently, everything's gonna be okay. No, no. If you, you know, if you act this way, if you say these words, you know, it's, it's, gonna, make, it's gonna make God a lot happier. No, no, he just, he just wants a relationship. And a relationship start with a connection. And he came to seek and then save 
that which was lost. And here's the deal. You can be saved eternally, ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and still have lostness inside of you. I've met some people that love Jesus with all of their heart that are some of the most lost people I've ever met. And it doesn't mean that they're gonna go to hell. It means that the life that they're living right now, they don't, they don't even know which way is up. They don't know how to get out. They don't know how to change what's happening. And they're like, they love Jesus, but they just, everything else still is broken. That's because that, that salvation relationship with Jesus is not a one-time thing. Yes, that does impact where you spend eternity, but, but we're still here. There's a reason why when you say yes to Jesus, you don't just, boom, all of a sudden you get levitated and there you go. Sometimes I think, maybe that would be better. Can we work a deal? But that's not how it works. Um, because he puts you on this, this planet for a reason. He, he allowed you to be born in, in this day and age for a reason. Um, you come from the part of town you come from for a reason. It's not because that's just what was given to you. It's because God's got a plan. Your economic status, yeah, you can change stuff. You can make changes. But embrace where you started, not as a curse, but as an opportunity. And say, God, this is all I got, but I'm going to give it to you. And he's like, all right, I can work with that. Watch what I can do. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Christmas is so much more about salvation than it is about just baby Jesus. Because he came to bring peace. He came to bring healing. He came to bring uh, hope. He came to bring salvation. He came to restore the things in your life that are all jacked up that you've been trying to fix and other people have been trying to fix and you're paying people to fix and you're taking pills to fix and you're doing things to fix. And she's like, hey, 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 take a deep breath. Trust me because I can do something with this. That's why Jesus came. Babe, can you hop on the keys? I'm gonna wrap this up and I wanna pray for you guys today. And um, Man, I really feel like somebody's, gonna, somebody's getting something from this. I really hope that somebody's getting something from this. But um, if we can walk away from church in a Christmas season with a greater understanding of the grace and the love of God, then we're, we're doing something right. And not just the grace and the love that impacts you, because here, oh, here's the cool thing. Um, following Jesus has not as much to do with what's changing in you as much as what can change through you. I, don't know, I think I need to come over here and say that again. Your, your life changed when it comes to following Jesus. It's not as much about what's changing in you as much as what can change through you. What I, what I mean by that is that um, your, your purpose, why you were born, the things that you don't even have figured out yet, and that's okay, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's, it's, it's created in you because there are people that will be changed by you being you. And I don't just mean like the you being you of like screw everybody else, I'm just gonna do me. I mean the you being you of connecting to who God made you to be and having that same heart that existed in Christ 
become alive inside of you where the people around you no longer become obstacles to your life. They no longer become enemies of your life. They no longer become hindrances to who you are, but the people around you actually get to become recipients of who God made you to be. There's such a big difference such a big difference when all of a sudden the purpose of your life isn't just connected to what you can do for you, but it's connected to what God can do through you for somebody else. Here's the deal. Some of y'all do need to make significant changes in your life, but it's not so that you can please God. God already loves you. You need to make changes because you need to position yourself for what God wants to do in and through you. And some of y'all need to make some changes because you can't do what God wants you to do in the position where you currently find yourself. There's a revival that God wants to break out in Reno and it's not so the religious people can be weird. It's so the lives can be changed. It's so that we can see addiction rates drop to the floor. It's so that we can see homelessness disappear. And I don't mean get out of town, I mean eradicated and lives are changed and where people had patterns that they couldn't break and they just kept creating more losses and brokenness, all of a sudden they're becoming a different person. A revival of seeing relationships restored. I know the history with Reno was, you know, for years and years was a place where if people lived out of town, they wanted a quick divorce, boom, they just come to Reno. They had more, you know, easier laws. You could do it faster. And, and, and I think not to over-spiritualize, I think there's just still something, there's an environment in our city that is still connected to that, that is creating challenges and struggles. And you know what? I bet you we can see that turn around. I bet you we can see... Um, I bet you we can see opioid addictions, especially when it comes to our kids and our teenagers. I bet you we can see that stuff drop. I bet you we can see people being stuck in the same patterns of, of addiction and, and, and immorality, the things that break relationships. I, I bet you we can see that stuff change. How? By having like, you know, lots of more church services? No, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed, but that's, that's, not, that's not what does it. What, well, what does it? Remembering Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Trinity of God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, already had his position and place in heaven as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He already had a throne. He already had a kingdom. And remembering that, he, he, he knew, knowing his Father's plan, decided to say, okay, Father, is it time? All right, tag me, I'm in. He says, I'm leaving all this. And he comes down and becomes a baby born into poverty, born into obscurity, raised in a very adverse situation, claiming to be something that everybody was waiting for and believing for, but they wanted, to, they wanted their Messiah to come in a little bit prettier fashion. But he's like, nah, if I came that way, then I wouldn't be able to really connect with those that are lost. God wants to transform your life, yes, to transform you, but your transformed life, somebody's waiting for your life to transform because your transformation is going to inspire theirs. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.